Welcome in for another episode of the Nice Job Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Hill. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody that responded to our episode uh, about our question for the season. Got some really good feedback. If you ever want to send us a review or some thoughts or some guest suggestions, our email address is podcast at nicejob.com. All right, episode 65. Let's see who our guest is today. Hi, I'm Corey Sterling. Corey. All right, man. What are we going to get into today? Get excited because we're going to talk about proactive law versus reactive law and how we can keep you totally protected. You don't have to tell me twice to get excited. Another great episode of the Nice Job Podcast coming your way. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. Guest I have today uh, was actually referred to us uh, by, by a couple of podcast guests that we had on uh, a bit earlier um, or podcast appearances that I had made out. And the one thing they told me is they said, Sean, you're going to love this individual because he leads with his heart. In fact, he's the heart leading lawyer, but also he embraces fun. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I embrace fun. Uh, you should have fun at work. You need to have fun in everything you do. Fun is not a childish thing. And so to have a little fun with me and to have a little discussion about the law and wherever else we end up going, please let me welcome Corey Sterling. Corey, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the Nice Job Podcast. Sean, thank you for having me. And I'm here basically because of our mutual commitment for fun. Yeah. And that's, I want to actually start there. Um, Fun in particular, I'm a big advocate of it, but sometimes you say it to certain individuals they tend to, like I said, think of it as a childish sort of thing. So my question for you is, how do you define fun in a way that helps you make sense of it, of why it should be in every element of your life? I think fun is a feeling that doesn't really fit into any specific circumstance. So I couldn't say like doing X activity to me is fun, but I think fun is more the unique approach that you bring to a situation. So you're doing something that maybe you don't want to be doing and you think, well, like I can make this fun. And you think about the different elements of doing that particular activity that are fun. Obviously some things like I would imagine when you say fun, like I just think of being on a roller coaster, like that would be the traditional fun thing to do uh, or eating popcorn. If, if you know, if you're a popcorn eater, like that sounds fun. Like there's a large quantity. I get to eat it for a long period of time. I'm it's really tasty. So those things are fun, but to me, fun much more so is a mentality choice of just saying like, oh cool, like I can find a, a way to make anything that I'm doing fun and I can choose fun. So that's sort of why I, I built my law firm around, you know, making law fun because A, no one else is doing it and B, if I'm gonna spend a lot of time doing it, I might as well be having fun. And it's interesting because I talked about, you know, you're the heart leading lawyer and, and you deal with a lot of fun and some people, might look at that situation and say, this seems like an opposite situation. Because when I think of lawyer, when I close my eyes, I'm thinking of this stuffiness and almost, you know, just based on sometimes how the law plays out, this overarching uh, procedural sort of, you know, industry, right? Because even just, you know, some law things, there's, you're filing briefs and it, like, it just gets so structured and things like that. Um, how did you find your calling to bring your energy into this profession? Was it something that, you know, you, at, at first you were kind of doing it and then you decide to make it fun. Was it, you were always, you know, heart leading and always fun. And it just happened that the, the law came a part of it. How did this all come together to, to create what we're seeing now? 
It came together. It started off with a vast, um, a vast experience of contrast where I'd worked in a big law firm and I'd worked in a small law firm. And I was just like, there's no fun going on here. Basically, no one's having fun. The lawyers aren't having fun. The clients aren't, aren't having fun. And I was very, very, very close to hanging up the skates of, as being a lawyer and just calling in quits and waiting for them to raise my jersey to the banners and just say, you know, he, Corey Sterling made it two years into being a lawyer. But I, I was pretty upset at that prospect because I had studied for so long and worked so hard to get there that I just sort of in a sort of Rudy Rudiger last ditch sort of effort was like, well, what if I just created it my own way? And came up, you know, and the the guiding light to me always has been, I want to be the lawyers, the lawyer for others that I would want to have myself. So like, hey, if I needed a lawyer, you know, how, what would their attitude be like? How would the process work? What would, how would I enjoy speaking to them? All those sorts of things. And I basically, that plus my passion for travel um, was I was at a point where I was, I was ready to stop being a lawyer and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to design my legal practice so that I'm only doing things online. This was in 2017. I'm only doing things online so that I can do it from anywhere. I'm not going to do any filings. I'm not going to do any injunctions. I'm not going to do anything that involves me physically needing to be present. And why don't I just like try to be the lawyer that I think should exist out there in the world? And so I started traveling for almost five years ago and yeah, and, and it stuck and it was in, in a lot of ways, it was very much by design at the start where I was like, I will do this. I will not do that. And that's because I had the travel element to it. And then over time, I've just continued to refine that and refine that and refine that. And now growing a team, I get to choose more and more of what I do and what I don't do. So it's, it's been a, it's been a bit of mo, a, a mix of, of both. And then the hard leading part came in was just because all, all of my, all the, all of my clients are people doing awesome things. And I, I, again, coming back to contrast, when I started as in my young career as being a lawyer, all of my clients sucked and just weren't, you know, they were, they were big corporations that were heavily profit driven. No one was really making the world a better place. And to me, heart leading means that you're doing what you're passionate about. You're doing what you feel is your contribution to the world. And as much as I want to help those people, I also want to be a lawyer for those people. I feel that some, when they hear that answer, they will probably be inspired to like, oh, like, okay, yes, that's the type of lawyer I want. But there's a small percentage that goes, yeah, but I don't need a lawyer. Like no one's suing me. I'm not, I'm not in any you know, litigation or anything like that. But as far as I know, there's plenty of things when setting up a business and, and kind of as your business starts to grow and, and scale and things like that, there's kind of a, a need or perhaps it would be a little bit easier or smoother to kind of have some some legal guidance in that regard. Um, is there something that you think either business owners or you know uh, individuals that are kind of going down the entrepreneurial path, if there's something that maybe they overlook or try to take on themselves that really could benefit from the legal touch? Yeah, definitely. The, you, the way that you always want to think about law, and, and I just first want to address your first point of like, do I really need a lawyer? And the answer, like lawyers, I always see lawyers and seatbelts being the same. Okay. So let me ask you, like, do you really need a seatbelt? 
I'm a big proponent of seatbelts, um, but could I operate the vehicle without it? I guess technically, would I would I choose to? No. <laughs> but you, you, it is possible that you could drive your entire life not wearing a seatbelt and not have an issue and not have a problem. But I see working with lawyers and having legal documents drafted by a professional who understands you and your business and your industry. It's like a seatbelt where it's like you don't need it until you do, but when you do need it, it's going to save your business. And so what I would say is like, if the question is, do I need a lawyer? It's, I would just, re, you know, respond by saying, do you need a seatbelt? And, and I've been through this, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients all over the world. And there's always two types of problems. One is a, a proactive problem and one's a reactive problem. And proactive is like, hey, I'm starting my business out or I'm going to start I'm going to start working with strangers or I'm going to start building a team. And, you know, I want to be proactive and, and protect myself and make sure I'm classifying workers properly and make sure that I have good service agreements with my clients and make sure I have a good waiver of liability so I don't get sued. And that's being proactive. That's before a problem has come up, you're addressing the need to deal with it professionally. Conversely, there's reactive, which is when you're in the car accident not wearing a seatbelt and then you need to fix the problem. And, and uh, I'd say my, my practice is probably a 50-50 split between the two where half the times I'm protecting people so they don't run into a problem and I know what they need to avoid those problems. But then half the time it's someone coming to me who's in a big problem and, you know, didn't protect their trade secrets or, you know, was calling someone a contractor, but treating them like an employee. Now there's an audit, like choose the random scenario of things wrong, gone wrong. And, and I've been part of it. And so my answer is that, yeah, it's, it's very sensible to make sure that you have legal documents in place. It helps you protect your assets. It helps you have the best types of relationships. And it also avoids that. It, it gives you the confidence so that you can go out and build it and take it to the next level without thinking like, do I have this structure in place? But it also avoids the, the stress and the challenges that can you know, spontaneously arise out of nowhere that derail all of your efforts and are extremely not fun and, and stressful and time consuming and expensive. And the seatbelt analogy is definitely apt because you can trust your driving skill and you can, you can you know, trust your training and all that but it's just that extra little protection. It's almost a seatbelt, something you hope you don't ever really have to, you know, fully rely on. But you're gonna be glad it's there when it comes. And so building trust, obviously we're in the reputation marketing space. We're, we're a big, you know, uh, advocate for, for that in particular. Um, and you talked about having service agreements and employee contracts, things like that. Having those kind of set for your business uh, helps you a little bit more. But this is very much a community, the entrepreneurial community. That, that does help one another, that kind of, that works uh, in, in conjunction. And I see a lot of, um, you know, just sharing a generic service agreement or just sharing, you know, in Facebook groups, like, oh, this is the employment contract I use, just slap your business name on it. Um, I would feel, it's almost like a, such a basic question, but like the more you're kind of specializing, the more you're diving in, the better coverage you're gonna get. That may lead to someone going, well, should, then shouldn't I be in someone's office? Shouldn't it be a face-to-face? -face? Like, how do I really do this virtually? If that's what, Corey, you know, you kind of said, like, hey, you moved your business to be able to travel around, is how do I go into that sort of relationship? What should I be looking for? Or what are some indicators that I'm going to be able to get this handled from the virtual sense when it comes to the law? 
I think the, the, the greatest benefit to it and part of, in addition to why I wanted, why I built this just traveling, which was like completely hedonistic at the start. I was like, I don't ever want to stop traveling. So if I can be a lawyer at the same time, that's great. But I just saw like when I was a lawyer, it just seemed so inefficient that everyone, and firstly, like everyone had to get dressed up because it was a lawyer's office. So like they get dressed up, they drive downtown, they pay for parking, they'd be stressed, they'd be rushed, all these things. And I think the coolest thing about it now is you know, I can be whatever, you can be whatever. The most important thing is that we're talking and, and understanding what your legal needs and what your legal issues are and making sure that the, that your documents are protecting you. Um, so I think if, if someone's looking to get into that relationship, the most important thing is working with a lawyer who you believe in, whose mission you believe in, and someone who has a reputation working in your industry and understands your industry. Um, and just that even little example of like, of sharing employment agreements, through a Facebook group. I can't tell you how many times I've been hired by someone who has a problem with an employee who has an issue and I'll ask them to send me a copy of the document and I'm like, this doesn't even relate to you or your business. Why did you sign this agreement? And I think on that same note, the really thing to be considerate of is when you're signing a document, you're making a legal promise. Like it's if you're, if you're a sole proprietor, you are, personally liable for every extent of that agreement. And if you're signing on behalf of your LLC or your company, your company's responsible for that. And I think people don't accept the grave nature of signing away legal rights to something that you don't understand. Um, and, and I think it's, it's something that, again, I understand because I get it. Like before I was a lawyer, none of this would ever cross my mind. I, I used to work in professional sports. I worked in the NFL. I traveled. I worked in the Middle East. I did all these things. And I never once thought about legal agreements. But once you just hear and go through enough experiences and stories, you realize the importance of having something that's specific to your business and working with someone who can help you achieve your goals through your legal agreements. So what does that, you know, process start to look like? All right. So, so say I'm going, I'm going to hire you kind of the virtual sense. Is it, is it a series of, of calls back and forth? Is, is it kind of like this discovery from your end, figure out what we're about and then figure out what we need? Like, because sometimes we get these questions into our, our podcast inbox, things like that, that are like, oh, that guy talked about this. Like, where do I start? It's the most like bare bone question. So if someone's looking, uh, you know, they're going to hire you kind of as a virtual lawyer and things like that. Does it have to start with like, all right, well, I know I need an employee agreement or can I just start with, hey, a consultation. Can you tell me what I need? <laughs> yeah, we, we always. So anyone who's listening who if any of this resonates or it's time for you to, you know, circle back on your legal or get started or be at best practices. Well, I'm sure you'll include my email address in the show notes so people will be able to reach out. And it, we I, I'll do 10 minute consultation calls with anyone. And I've done the cool thing is I've done thousands. I've done this for five years. So it's very easy for me to understand rather quickly what it is that you're doing, what the main areas of exposure to liability and risk that you have are and come up with a game plan. And, and it's as simple as like our typical flow would be a conversation. We would send out a proposal uh, with a link to get started. You'd answer questions. You know, in a week, we send you documents that are customized to you. We hop on a call to make sure you understand the documents. And then we're there for ongoing support. And, and that's really as simple as it looks. Another element I believe that you guys um, handle, uh, and if I'm, if I'm mistaken, I apologize for that. But um, we have a couple entrepreneurs out there that uh, might 
um, they're working on their, their branding or they're working on their technology. And sometimes they get in a situation where they're trying to figure out of how much protection do they need on their brand? They're talking about like trademarking and things like that. Um, or even like procedural, you know, some people want to protect their process or try to almost brand like this is how we do it and kind of build it forward. Um, in, in that sort of sense, when you're talking about um, either like copyrights or, or trademarks or things like that, um, there, I'm always intrigued by that process because it seems like it should not seems like it should be a quick thing, but I almost feel like I would want it to be this quick thing, but it also feels like how in the world could I think that the one thing I developed is actually just me. So, uh, I guess the, the general question in that one in particular is if someone's looking to take their brain and really start to make it their own, is there some things they need to do earlier in the process before they get to the point of like, oh man, I probably should have trademarked this. Yeah, the, the first things that you'd want to do is you'd want to register the business under under a business name, which is not that's not the same as a trademark, but it gives you some sort of claim because the way that it works with trademarks is that it's always going the best the person who has the best rights in something is the person who's been using it the longest, but also the person who can prove that they've been using it the longest. So even and, and I want to answer your question specifically before I sort of go into a tangent about trademark and copyright. But what I would say is probably the first thing to do when choosing a business name or um, or registering a business is like having a look at what else is out there. And that could mean going to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website and seeing if there's a registered trademark with that name. It could mean applying in your state or province for, you know, um, uh, an LLC or a corporation name and seeing if the government approves it. If there's a competing name that's, you know, very similar, they, they don't approve, there's a name approval process. So those are sort of like two official, semi-official ways to do it. But the what, what I would say is like, if the question is, when is it worthwhile for me to invest in protecting my intellectual property? And by this, I would mean like, you know, a written process, a training program, or you know your logo or the brand name uh, of of your business and what you're using. The answer is like the the moment that you know that you're going to be. It's like the moment that you know that you're committed to it, and that's like because sometimes at the beginning you're like ah oh, I sort of like this name and I sort of like this name and all these different things right like th that's going to happen. But when the moment you're like boom I'm going with this like so for me in conscious counsel even before I got one client I love the name I love what it stood for and I registered for a trademark like I did the necessary requirements to file it as like active use but that was because I, I was I loved it it was everything that I wanted and I knew that I was always going to use it um, and so if, if I was at a, if what I'd say to anyone who's listening is if you have a business name or a slogan or a logo that you know you're committed to, that you've got the domains, you've got all of these things ready, the time to trademark is now because in the, in the same way that I've had clients who have had issues because they didn't have the right agreements in place, I have a lot of clients who, and I'm just wrapping something up now, um, really cool sunglass company. We're using a name that, that exists to another sunglass company and they got a cease and desist letter. They'd spent thousands of dollars marketing and, and building a whole brand around it and they've had to change 100% of it. And it sucks to go through that. And the only thing that I say to them is like, I wish we had an opportunity to work together sooner so that I, you know, that we could have protected you and that you could, you could enjoy the investment in goodwill that you've made. Yeah. And it's, it's, I never really thought about, uh, you know, when you know you're going to be committed to it, because it's also if you find out like, okay, you believe you're committed to it, but you go through the process and find out someone else has it. 
it prevents that story that you just told, right? It prevents you from now being so ingrained, you've made it everything that you are because you fell in love with this, but it was nothing, it was something that you really couldn't ever have, right? You know, because if someone else had already kind of, you know, followed that trademark or, or you know, had that branding and forced you kind of shift. So, um, yeah, and, and also the other way around, some people never really commit to anything, right? And so it, not having to go through the process over and over and over again, we're gonna make constant changes. Um, I never really thought about it, thinking it in that regard, but that makes uh, a, a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I always call it the marriage test. It's sort of like when you're, if you think about marriage and, you know, marriage is the highest level of commitment that you can make in a relationship. It's sort of like your business marriage to that name or logo. When you, when you know it's the one and that you want to, you know, that you want to stay with him, that you're going to use it to have and to hold, um, that's the time to register. Uh, Corey, there's there's so many different avenues that I know I could I could kind of go down with you, and, and I think at this point I might even uh, throw out the preemptive invite to bring you back for a part two because there's a lot more I want to scratch the surface. But I like to keep these episodes, you know, digestible uh, and, and actionable as well. And I think we sort of got there. But before I let you go, I want to ask you the question we've been asking all of our guests here in season three. Uh, and I know a lot of our listeners, we just had a compilation of the first half of guests that kind of compare and contrast answers, but ultimately it gives us a chance to kind of to dive in and, and, and learn a little bit more about you just based on your answer to this question. So our, our question for season three is, what do you embrace more, challenges or opportunities? I believe challenges and opportunities are the same thing. So I, I see them both as one. So I'll give you an example. In January, I'm heading to Argentina and I'm gonna summit Mount Aconcagua, which is, it's one of the summits, seven summits in the world. And it's the highest peak in South America at 7,000 meters. That to me is both a challenge and an opportunity. So it's something that I look at doing where I think it's going to suck. It's going to be super challenging, but it's an opportunity to help me learn more about myself and demonstrate the type of character that I know that I have deep within me that I probably won't access until I really make myself uncomfortable. So, um, has anyone else given that answer that they're the same thing? Yeah, a couple people have. A couple people have said that they're the same thing uh, in a way that almost is like, well, I don't get why you would ever think they're different. And then other people kind of said it, and I believe in the way you sort of say it: of usually one includes the other or starts another. So you're not going to take on a challenge if there was no opportunity to get anything from it, right? That's just it seems a little bit dumb even if the smallest element of it is the challenge is could i prove to myself i could do it well it's an opportunity to prove that you can do it right so something like a, yeah. a skydiving right like all right i don't i'm not going to become a world-class skydiver maybe but just doing it once maybe overcomes fear and then learning that that's an opportunity for me to use that lesson somewhere else so some people have given that and other people have seen it as complete opposites and that's why i as we start to explore the question i love is because it's a it's a little bit of a mindset question to how you interpret it but I think that no matter what, every situation is going to be unique. But you can tell the reason I kind of say like embrace more is there's some people that go, you know what? I know I get a higher high from this than that. Or you know what? If I, if I think of it separately, then I can uh, attack them both differently. Or if I think of it as one, then I'm never, uh, there's no extra anxiety if it seems more challenging than just straight opportunity. But I'll be able to give that answer. And, and I have to share something just because this point has been coming up so much for me lately in just different videos that I've been listening to or books that I'm reading. I'm reading Dave Goggins. Have you read Dave Goggins? I can't, have not. can't stop me. He's an amazing, amazing story. Um, but what, one interesting, and now this is, it's fascinating because what all of these different books have been saying and authors have been saying is that when you voluntarily choose to go into something, 
the, it doesn't matter how difficult it is. The experience is going to be that much more as opposed to like reacting to something that happens to you. So I think considering that I'll change my answer between challenge and opportunity and just say opportunity, because I think what an opportunity implies is that you're inviting the opportunity, whereas a challenge could sort of be something unexpected that comes to you. But an opportunity is like, cool, this is an opportunity to wake up and have a, you know, have a great day or to do the things I want to do or to show up the best version of myself. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and again, with this question, you can call me a day from now and be like, I'm changing again. You know, <laughs> I don't think there's ever a concrete, this is the answer for the rest of my life. But at this moment in time, I, I thank you for, uh, for sharing that uh, take on that sort of question. Um, you mentioned earlier about an email address, but this is the point of the show where if anyone has been listening to this and they're like, I want to connect with Corey, I want to learn more or just see what's going on, uh, where should we direct them towards? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Conscious Council. My email address is Corey at ConsciousCouncil.ca. Um, and you can just visit our website, Conscious Council, and, and say a note, drop a note, say hi. Even if you just want to connect, I'm happy to speak to wonderful people always. And I look forward to it. Nice. And we will have those down in the show notes in the description. Uh, I have a feeling when I edit it, I probably put them on screen as well. Uh, so yeah, connect with Corey. But Corey, it's been my pleasure to connect with you uh, so far. And a lot of listeners, when they like a guest, they'll tell me to bring them back for a part two. And I have a feeling that my inbox is going to have a bunch of those messages. So thank you once again for taking time out of your day to join us on the Nice Job Podcast. Cheers, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. Special thanks to Corey Sterling for joining us on the Nice Job Podcast. Here are my three key takeaways from this episode. And first, got to start with it. Don't be afraid of the F word. That's right. Fun. You can have fun in your business. It can be a serious thing. But more so, think of it as a mindset. It's about finding enjoyment in sometimes the mundane. I know your team will appreciate having fun in your culture, but you as an individual will get a lot more out of your day to day. My second key takeaway, which talked about legal contracts and documents that are often shared between social groups and the importance of making sure they are specific to your business, not just industry specific, but for your particular business. Corey laid out some of the instances where it might get into trouble. So I'd recommend as best you can to make sure that anything you're using that is legally binding is truly catered to you. And my final takeaway was actually regarding the trademark things. We get a ton of questions about branding and how much you should own, how much you shouldn't. And I thought Corey really laid it out pretty succinctly. Once you know that you're committed to it forever, that's when you need to take those steps. Those are my three key takeaways. Did you have any others? Send us an email, podcast at nicejob.com. That'll do it for this episode. We will see you next week. But until then, we hope you're being healthy. We hope you're being safe. And don't forget to have a little fun out there as well. See you soon.